Well, as was mentioned already, it's very, very good to see everybody who has came here this morning to worship God and pray that the things that I say this morning is edifying to the body of Christ. And if you have your Bibles, I ask you to please get them out. I would like for us all to read together what we're going to read. If you have, of course, there's Bibles in every pew, if you've got your iPhone or whatever it may be, I want us to read the Word of God together and to be engaged. I'm not going to put the verses up on the screen for that specific reason. And if you are unable to follow along in the Bible, just please listen intently to what we're going to read. And as you turn there, we're going to read about some of the most controversial passages in the Bible uh, in Matthew 24, verses 1 through 35. And all kinds of people over many years have tried to figure out this text and have tried to determine dates of when the world is going to end. Um, and, you know, if we remember even uh, a gentleman of Harold Camping back in 2010 tried to predict the end of the world on Saturday, May 21st, 2011. And when that didn't happen, he changed his mind and said he made a small miscalculation and changed that date to October 21st, 2011. And that didn't happen again. I think he finally decided to hang it up. I think he did it a third time, but he realized that his predictions we're not going to be correct regardless. And even some Bible-believing uh, people and scholars debate on what this text is and what it means and in Matthew 24. And if we're not careful, and if we get too tied up in the specific details, we'll miss the overarching point of this whole, this whole uh, scripture. And there are very large questions that we may ask, answer and ask ourselves while we read these things, and regardless about the details um, of when or how or and when these things are going to happen or where they're going to happen, we need to ask ourselves, are we ready for what's going to happen? Are we ready this next week or the next few days or the next few months or over the next 10 years? And are we absolutely certain where our life is going to be in eternity? And there are no more important questions than these. There's no more important questions than those. And my goal in the next few minutes is to show us the big picture, big picture of what Jesus was talking about and, uh, and, of course, looking at the future that he was foretelling and for us to look at the future in our lives as well. And I want us to show that what we can bank our life on and what we cannot bank our life on. And I want to try to show us what matters and what doesn't matter. So let's read. The first 35 verses of Matthew 24 together. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us. When will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places, and these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you 
up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will be, betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by, the, by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down and take anything out of his house. And let him who is on the, in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant, to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that the flight may not be in winter or, in this, or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor even ever shall be. And, un, and unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive. If possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagle will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will become darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars, will not, will, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from all the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already come, become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that the summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So we have... In those passages, we have winds, or we have wars, and earthquakes, and lightnings, and vultures, and trumpets, and fig trees, and tribulations, abominations, desolations, and generations. And so what does all that mean? All the confusion and the controversy, there's just so much we could talk about in these verses. So many sermons that could be led. But I want us to look at the big picture, and, uh, and look at what we read, and help us to understand and there are two main prophecies that Jesus is addressing here. Two main events. And it's an importance that we distinguish the two because they are two separate events. And understanding, uh, the, uh, and admittedly, uh, not every single Bible scholar that I was reading agrees on what these mean. But there are two uh, major, um, clear, distinct differences that they come on. 
come upon, and, uh, and the first one is the prophecy concerning the destruction of Jerusalem. And this is what was, Jesus was talking about, specifically starting in verse 15. And so I want us to understand the scene. In verse 2, Jesus foretold that um, the temple of Jerusalem would be destroyed. And his disciples were heading out of, the, out of the city with Jesus. They looked back and they were telling Jesus, look at this city, look at the temple. And, and um, then after Jesus told them that all these things are going to be destroyed, they asked, well, when are these things going to happen? When is that going to be destroyed? And Jesus begins to talk to them when it's going to happen. He talks, um, uh, what are signs and what are not signs? In verse 15, he says, Therefore, when you see abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. When those thing, when, then let those who are in Judea, Judea flee to the mountains. And then when we get down to verse 21, he says, For there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world, until this time, nor shall ever be. And it's clearly a reference to the destruction of, of the city of Jerusalem and the temple in the middle of it. And when he talks about the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel, that's an intentional reference that he gave back to Daniel 18 or 8.13, Daniel 9.27, Daniel 11.31, and Daniel 12.11, where the prophet Daniel, hundreds of years before, foretold of a time when a ruler, a foreign ruler, would come into the temple and profane it. And a lot of Jewish people link that prophecy to something that happened in 168 B.C. when a ruler named Antiochus Epiphanes came into the temple and erected a pagan altar in it and sacrificed a pig in the, in the temple and, of course, defiling the house of God. But approximately 40 years after Jesus spoke these words, around 70 A.D., the Roman armies began surrounding the, the city of Jerusalem to overtake it. And they would overtake it. They would succeed. The Romans would destroy the temple. And in its place, they would sacrifice to false gods and declaring Titus, the Roman uh, emperor, to be supreme. And in Daniel 12:1. Uh, the, same the same phrase is used, there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been seen until that time. And that same phrase is used in verse 21 of Matthew 24 that we read. And the time during the destruction of Jerusalem was an absolutely horrific time. Things that happened to the people in Jerusalem were absolutely horrific. The Jewish uh, historian Josephus described uh, the savagery, slaughter, disease, and famine that marked the Jewish people during those years. Parents were reduced to cannibalism, from what he records, with their own children, and many were taken into slavery, and millions and millions died. And this would take 40 years or so after Jesus spoke these words. So here he tells his disciples, looking back on the city of Jerusalem, when this happens, get out of the city. Run, flee. And when the Roman army came to attack the city and destroy the temple, they don't even go home. Don't even go back to your home to get what you need. If you're working in the field, get out of the field immediately when you see these things. So the first prophecy here in this chapter uh, is the destruction of Jerusalem. And it's a key, um, it's a key uh, prophecy that Jerusalem will be destroyed. The temple would be obliterated. No, not one stone would be left upon the other. 
So the other uh, prophecy in this patches, passage is the one uh, the, that described in verses 29 through 31, where Jesus talks about the day when, in verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heavens will be shaken. The sign, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with trumpet, with the power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one of heaven to the one end of heaven to the other. And of course, that's the prophecy of the return of Jesus. And verse 29 talks about all the light in the world becoming dark and the heavens being shaken. And we know that this is more than the destruction of Jerusalem. This is the day when Jesus is going to come back in splendor and glory with a trumpet call from heaven. He will come to fully assert his reign and his rule forever and ever as the sovereign son of man and the son of God. So that's verses kind of 29 through 31. Now, the difficulty comes with the understanding of all these verses in these in this passage and how they relate to one another and how do they relate how these two prophecies relate and there's two um, schools of thought to how these prophecies relate and the predominant school of thought that I read in these these two events is that uh, with the destruction of Jerusalem and the return of Jesus they're intended to be seen kind of more like um, a progressive prophecy is what I was gaining from some of the scholars. Kind of like um, one prophecy is steady, setting the stage for the next prophecy. And that's how many people picture it. And when Jesus talks about the destruction of Jerusalem, he's talking about one hill to come in the future. Kind of thinking as if you're climbing a mountain, you know, you get to one mountaintop and then you see the next mountaintop. So one's preparing you for the next Kind of a foretaste or a foreshadowing of what's to come. And that's one opinion. And the other opinion is that verses 4 through 28, here are all just one description of the trouble and distress and the tribulation that will happen in the world before Jesus comes back in verse 29. I kind of see it all together. The destruction of Jerusalem is an example of the trouble that and the stress that will be faced before he comes. Either way you look at those two opinions, it doesn't matter. Because the point is the same. One, Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. And two, Jesus is going to come back and return. Now, how do we apply all that here to us now in the 21st century? And if we're careful, not careful, we can get bogged down in the weeds and get into arguments with brothers and sisters and those and have dissension and back and forth. And I don't want us to miss the overarching point that we gain. And here's the point. We can look at these two prophecies. And I want us to understand that the things of this world are passing. They are not eternal. And I want us to think about the disciples. I want us to put ourselves in their shoes. The guy, you know, these guys from Galilee coming to the big city of Jerusalem and they're stunned by the splendor, particularly the splendor of the temple. And they had absolute reason to be. It was grand and it was glorious. It was a massive, awe-inspiring, breathtaking structure built with stones, some of which measured 40 feet long, 12 feet wide, and 12 feet deep. Some of the stones were weighed over 200,000 pounds each. 
couldn't imagine how they did that. We have all these tools and equipment and cranes and trucks and everything that we use today. They had none of that. No mechanical means to do all this. They just stacked one on top of another. And they managed to do it. All of this, all these stones being stacked and put together and on top, you know, they have a roof that was bathed in gold. The white marble on the top of the temple would, some say, would nearly blind you from looking at it if the sun was hitting directly on it. And so the disciples of Jesus see this, as we see in the beginning of this chapter, and they point out to Jesus as to say, what an amazing building. And Jesus shocks them when he turns to them and says, yeah, all these stones are going to pass away. This thing's going to be down. There's not going to be a stone standing in this place. And I want us to understand the things of this world, even the best, most incredible things in this world are passing. The things that I and you marvel at and look upon and think they're grand, they're passing. And the key verse in this whole passage is the 35th verse of Matthew 24, where Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away. And I want us to fully understand and hear what Jesus is saying. This world with all of its splendor, majesty, the trees, the mountains, the seas, the oceans, the rivers, with all of its riches, it's all fading away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but, Jesus says, listen, and listen to this, but my words will by no means pass away. That's good stuff. The things of this world are passing, but the truth of the word of Christ is permanent. Regardless of how someone might interpret or detail that, uh, go from detail to detail in this passage, it's clear that Jesus accurately foretold the destruction of Jerusalem 40 years after this, and it happened. The stones would pass away. That city would pass away. The people who filled that city would pass. But his words remain. And Jesus, of course, from that, we can you know, determine Jesus, he's not just some fortune teller that some people look at. You know, he's the Lord of history. He's the, and he speaks with authority about the future. And he knows the future. And he ordains the future. And he brings it to pass. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will not pass away. So we need to build our life not on the things of this world. Not on the riches of this world. Not on the pleasures of this world. Don't build our lives on those things. Don't waste our life or waste our time on those things that pass. We need to build our life on what matters, and that is the words of Christ. The other thing I want to say, of course, in this, this morning is to trust the authority of Christ. He spoke about the destruction of Jerusalem, and it happened. And he spoke about his return one day, and it's going to happen. We can, we can mark that down or however you want to do it. It's going to happen. And we just need to make sure that we're ready for that. And are we ready on that day? Will we have built our life, banked our life on what is passing or that which is permanent? We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. 
and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.